0: I am George Anderson. I am Elizabeth Link. I am Ben Brannan. We are going on a journey through the Gospel of Mark with a sermon series titled, Reimagined. Together, we'll explore why the Gospel is in such a hurry for readers to get to know and keep up with Jesus. Today's sermon is a stop along the way of that journey. Join us as we reflect on what was, rethink what is, and reimagine what will be. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Rally Day is about beginnings. Programs that have been dormant in the summer and a few during the pandemic start up again this week, or at least are announced this week. And in some way, many of these programs, you heard it, have been reimagined. We'll have Sunday school, but some classes will be combined, some will be hybrid, some online. Children's evening programs will begin again on Sunday evenings, but they'll take place outside. Choir will begin again, only it's delayed, and when they sing, it'll be with masks. Today begins, as you heard, a sermon series on the Gospel of Mark called Reimagined. In Mark's Gospel, Israel's faith, law, ethics, traditions, disciplines, and hope for the future are all embraced by the Gospel, but also are all reimagined through the filter of what we glimpse at the beginning and see at the end, the cross. In this story of reimaginings, the gospel begins slow and then accelerates toward the crucifixion. Well, each sermon during the series will put the brakes on at different points to take in what is reimagined and consider how we might reimagine our own lives. For our scripture lesson, I'm going to read more than is printed in the bulletin, but still my focus will be on the moment of Jesus' baptism. This moment at the beginning of Mark's gospel has the shape of Jesus' ultimate destination in the gospel, the shape of the cross. Listen for the horizontal and vertical beams, and listen for what only Jesus hears at the beginning, the voice of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes someone who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens torn above and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Word of the Lord. in that moment baptism is reimagined let me tell you how baptism was before that moment i remember visiting the ruins of qumran the village closest to the caves where the dead seas were discovered those scrolls of hebrew scriptures were carefully copied by essenes and then hidden when they knew that the romans were coming and would destroy the village in Jesus' time, Qumran is an Essene village in the arid desert, but also sort of a community center. You see, the Essenes are a separatist bunch, and I mean separatist to the extreme. They live as far as they can from towns and cities because they consider them to be incubators of evil. Most Essenes even separate from each other, living in tents and caves. They would have fared quite well during a pandemic. Many, though, regularly gather in Qumran to meet, sometimes to eat, sometimes to do projects like copy those scrolls, and sometimes to bathe. Yes, to bathe. To this day, you can find in the excavated ruins of Qumran five stone baths where water flows in and out, keeping them fresh. Each bath has two sets of stairs, one for entering and the other to emerge clean. I am sure that going into the cold embrace of the water and emerging with the dust of the land and the sweat of the day's labor washed away is an exhilarating experience. But the primary purpose of the bath is not physical cleanliness. It is spiritual cleanliness. If the Essene is earnest and honest in the confession of sins, then maybe through this sacramental act of washing, he or she can emerge freed of shame and regret and ready to do better than before. And by before, I do not just mean the Essene's life up to that point or even the Essene's day up to that point, it could be the last few hours. That's at least one theory put forth by our Holy Land guide and other scholars of why there are five baths in this village. He told us that the five baths mark the five different times in the day when one is to confess one's sins, ask forgiveness, and be washed. In other words, just as in life we continually have to face the errors of our ways, taking the repentance bath was something to be done over and over again. Those baths were baptisms. Not the once-in-a-lifetime baptism of Christian tradition, but the repeated baptisms of those who are self-aware and honest enough to know of their own inability to live pure and perfect lives. And I have to believe that these baptisms were a powerful and helpful experience. Or maybe for some they were thoughtless rituals that were done because, you know, all the Essenes are doing it. Or maybe for some, it was a show of humility that disguised the pride of those who really don't believe they need to own up to or apologize for anything. But for those whose hearts were set in the direction of doing right and whose consciences were weighed down by knowing that they too often get in their own way, don't you know that the repeated ritual of washing oneself clean was often, I would say, therapeutic experience. A powerful and personal reset moment. Well, we, we know it was a powerful experience because this ritual was taken on the road. John, a cousin of Jesus, was the most famous of those who invite others to come and be baptized and then guide them through the experience. He became known as the Baptist or Baptizer. And the focus of his outreach ministry were the towns and cities where the Essenes saw the greatest evidence of personal and corporate corruption. Now, he would not go into those towns and villages. He'd be outside, but word would spread within the community that John could be found out by some source of water. Um, Our passage says the Jordan. Because by the time of our story, it probably was always a large stream or river because he was famous by this time. He drew large crowds and some would come from curiosity, but others would come because they knew that their lives were askew and they were looking for that reset. Certainly to be baptized, to be bathed after confessing one's wrongs, they knew that that's not all that's needed to live a better life. But... If it was something that could be done because one truly wants to live and be better, then, then it's got to be a good start. Well, John would stand on the banks and he would preach about corruption and crimes, the flaws of character and the injustices of the community, about the ways that neighbors are exploited and abused. And then he would invite anyone listening who needed a weight lifted from their conscience. And I think in John's mind, that was everybody standing on the bank to come be baptized as a moment of a new beginning. Now, if you were baptized before but needed to be baptized again, well, come on in. And then, in our passage, Jesus is baptized, and in that moment, baptism is reimagined. For those who would later follow Jesus, anyway, it's reimagined. Those who would later become known as people of the way, those who would become later known as Christians, to be baptized came to mean something foundational and wonderful, something about who we are in the eyes of God, Despite all the reasons we need to come clean. Let's look at the baptism as Mark describes it. We don't have in this gospel what we have in other gospels, that is a something of an argument. John's shock that Jesus would want to be baptized when he couldn't think that Jesus has done anything to repent over, and Jesus insisting that he needs to be baptized anyway. What we have in Mark's Gospel is simply an action and an announcement. The first, horizontal. The latter, vertical. The horizontal is Jesus being baptized by John. We are told of the act of baptism in a clear, straightforward, no words wasted way because there's nothing special here to describe. Jesus' baptism is no different from any other baptism that John performs. Jesus is no different from any one of the masses so jammed on the bank of the Jordan that I imagine that a few got their sandals stuck in the mud when they were bumped in. That's the horizontal action. Then comes the vertical announcement when Jesus comes out of the water. Unlike the thousands along the bank, a voice from heaven is heard about Jesus and is heard by Jesus alone. You are my son. You I love. In you I am so pleased. And if our story ends here, God's love would be for this God's only son, the one only that God is pleased in. But the story doesn't end here. It begins here. And during the rest of the story of Mark's gospel, this vertical love for Jesus shines horizontally as Jesus teaches and heals and sacrifices for others. This love, which seems uniquely for Jesus, ends up being love shown through Jesus for the masses along the banks for us all. And now what we proclaim in baptism is not what we have to do to begin again, to reset our day, but what God has done for us eternally in Christ. Christian baptism is not now a washing of sins. It's an announcement of God's love. And when we have a baptism in this church, whether of a baby as we did not long ago when we baptized Margot Gunn, or of an adult as will happen in October when Emily Roseman will be baptized, we proclaim this vertical truth about God's love of Jesus being the horizontal truth about us all. You are my son, God says to Jesus, and by God's adopting grace, we are God's children. You I love, in you I am pleased, God says to Jesus, and by God's adopting grace, so we are loved. And so do we live by God's pleasure. We celebrate that Jesus goes down into the water to be baptized for the same reason he goes up on the cross. He does for us what we cannot fully do on our own. And by doing so, he witnesses to us what we now believe to be the most defining truth of our lives. That by grace we live and die as those whom God loves and who God claims as God's own. But what about our need to face and deal with our regrets, even our daily regrets, our need to set a reset in our lives? In light of this theology that I've just explained to you, there's this frequent charge made against Christians that we preach this cheap, Grace, that with the assurance of God's forgiveness, the wrongs of our lives do not really matter. Well, here is an important point about reimagining that needs to be remembered throughout Mark's gospel. What is reimagined does not negate what has always been true. We are human, and we need to deal with the basic human struggle to face And the struggle that we need to overcome, that which keeps us from living our best lives, our being, our best selves. And so while Christians baptize only once, we continue to confess our sins to God over and over again in worship and I hope in our daily lives. And in that spirit, we all need in our lives those who love us enough to tell us tough truths. And many need to be in recovery groups and in therapy to follow through their own five bath version of regularly facing issues that cannot be dealt with all in a moment. And that's why the whole gospel story needs to be told. Yes, here at the beginning of the story, the truth about God's love is told in this clear, pristine way. But things are about to get messy. The people in Jesus' life, especially those closest to him, will speak and act in ways that will remind Jesus why those Essenes felt that they needed to be washed of their sins several times a day. Time and again, Jesus will be disappointed and frustrated and angered by how people speak and act when they should do better and they know to do better. But the voice only Jesus hears at the beginning coming vertically from heaven will be something that is voiced again at the end of the gospel, not this time by God, but horizontally by a centurion standing to the side of the cross, spoken by someone who he'd expect not to know better, but who actually does. At the cross, the centurion will display this horizontal understanding of the vertical truth that truly this is God's sign. Friends, I know that we are not always what we should be and we do not live as we ought. But remember your baptism. Remember that once and forever truth, we can do better today. Because God loves us from beginning to end. Second Presbyterian Finding Direction by Following Jesus.